Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. And we've got the biggest game of the year. It's so nice to finally have preseason fan controlled football. Football. Yes. No, it's the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday. And man, it's it's gonna be wild, right? Because you gotta think about what we're getting into with Super Bowl Sunday this particular year. Because if you're the NFL and you're dreaming of a scenario where you can get the matchup of your dreams, this is it. This is it. This is exactly from the moment that Tom Brady said he was not going to play in New England anymore. From the moment that he officially signed with the team in the NFC so that you could get it that it was Mahomes on one side and Tom Brady on the other and let these guys duke it out. That was the dream all along. And they're here. And they're here. And you know what? Here's the thing. As much as it's like the best story and all this stuff, it's going to be a great game, right? Like, it's so nice to go into the game of the year, of the sport that we obsess about more than anything. This is number one, and it's number one by a mile. The backup quarterbacks that the average person knows. Forgettable wide receivers and tight ends. You know, people know these people because the game is just so damn popular. And we're going to get a barn burner tonight. And so to be in a situation like this, be on the eve of a game like this, it's going to be fun, man. I'm just excited to have the fun of this, to sit, to crack a few beers, to stuff my face. I always plan on eating like five pounds worth of food in a single sitting. And that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm just going to sit down and it's going to be wing after wing after a little piece of cheese over here. Maybe if there's some guacamole over there, back to the wings, back to the beer, you know, it's just going to be nonstop. It's the the best day of the year. And again, and this needs to be stated and maybe I, and shame on me. We should have done this this year and we will do this next year. We will start the campaign to officially make this a national holiday because it needs to be a national holiday. But looking at what we've got in our hands right now, just a couple hours away, it's not just Brady and it's not just Mahomes, but it's also the idea that as we're watching this Super Bowl, the Buccaneers are playing at home. First time ever. Never been done before. Of course, Tom Brady's the guy to do it. That makes me sick. I almost threw up in my mouth saying it, but it's the truth. And so you have to give the guy where credit is due. At 43 years old, Tom Brady has found a way to do something that nobody's ever done before because, of course, he did. And now we will have a home Super Bowl for the first time ever. And there's been a lot of things said about that because... It's the first home Super Bowl ever, right? We have no idea. We've never been in this situation before. And so, here's the thing. You heard about it a lot. 
Over these last two weeks, heard about a lot. Even the week going into the conference championship game. Oh, well, if Brady does it, that's what we're going to get. I might have mentioned it on the show. How do you not? To hear about this thing for maybe three weeks, maybe even start of the season, somebody was saying it. The second he signed in Tampa, somebody was saying it. Been hearing about it for a year. Does it matter? That's the thing that's bothering me. Does it matter? Is it going to change anything? 855-212-4227. How much does a home Super Bowl actually matter? Great story. Unbelievable story. Tom Brady, the sixth round pick with the funny combine pictures getting his way and having this remarkable career, the beating the Rams early for his first Super Bowl, the back-to-backs, the number of overall Super Bowls. Here he is, greatest quarterback to ever play, gets a home Super Bowl in his new city. Wow, he's amazing, right? Like, the story is really good. But as much as it's a great story, how real is it? How real is it? Are you looking at this game? As you sit here and evaluate the Super Bowl for the billions of ways that this thing gets picked apart going into the game because it's two weeks and you've got every sports writer on the planet that is going to find some angle of this game to talk about. The things that have been written, the things that you you have read, I mean, the coverage is as extensive as you will ever get in your life on anything from these past two weeks. And as you spend all this time thinking about the game and obsessing about the game and wondering who's going to win and placing bets, right? I mean, we live in a gambling world these days. People are throwing money around all over the place. We're going to be talking about money a lot, right? We'll talk about prop bets tonight. We'll have a lot of fun stuff. But for all of the time that you've spent about that, are you sitting here and watching this and thinking about this and going, you know, well, the home field advantage thing is really going to be a factor. The home field advantage is going to be something that flips this whole thing on its head. I like the Chiefs. And think about this. There's probably somebody out there that's thinking, I love the Chiefs. And I think they're the better team. And they should win the Super Bowl. But the Bucks are playing at home. It's pretty wild to think about. How many people feel that way? That's what I'm wondering about. Because it's a great story. Again, amazing story. But ultimately, for me, looking at this game, I don't think it matters. I think it's totally overblown. And if you want to get in, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. By the way, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket can. So why, Vince? Why on God's green earth are you discounting a home Super Bowl? Something we've never seen before. Something so new and and amazing and incredible. The testament to Tom Brady. How do you discount this? You hate Tom Brady. Well, one, yeah. Let's let's be honest. I'm not not a Brady guy. He's not for me. uh, 2001 or whatever when he won his first Super Bowl. is like, yeah, that's an amazing story. And go Tom. Then, you know, over the years and following the career of Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm not a Tom Brady guy. I'm out. Sorry, haven't been a Brady guy for a long time. Been rooting actively against him, uh, you know, since he cheated my team out of a Super Bowl in what, 2004, the Spygate era? Go Birds. Anyway, so, yeah, that's part of it, maybe, maybe. But let's consider the other factors that go into having a home playoff game, right? The home Super Bowl. Because the home Super Bowl, part of what makes it so 
interesting. And what could at some point, if we see this again, is the idea, it's usually two weeks, right? You got these two weeks that are leading up to the Super Bowl itself and what's happening during that time. The coverage is obsessive. You've got people from all over the world, countries that don't even care about football, have never seen a football game in their life. And you know what? There's a reporter from a newspaper there, and they've got the wackiest and weirdest question that they could ever ask, and they've been dying for literally 72 hours to ask that ridiculous question. That's the Super Bowl. That's the life. It's for a lot of these teams, a lot of the discussion around it, it's getting used to that adjusting to the extra attention. And think about this. I mean, NFL superstars and all the attention they always get, how recognizable they are, how big their followings are. This is more coverage than they're ever used to going into a Super Bowl because media week is just so insane. All of the people that flock to wherever the Super Bowl is, all the events around it leading up to the week, the different TV appearances, and hey, can you come on the radio for a couple of minutes? They're not coming on with me, uh, but they're going on with other people. That's an obsessive, crazy, difficult thing to manage. And for teams that haven't been there, for players that haven't been there, that can trip you up to go through all of that. And for the Bucs, yeah, they're going through it a little bit. But they know where they're going in town when they're walking from, you know, the, the facility to some little event. Oh, it's on this street by that restaurant. Yeah, I love that place, by the way. They got the special on Tuesdays. It's really good. You know, like the comfort level is there. So if it was a normal year and a normal media week and a normal two-week stretch leading up to the game for a Super Bowl, I'd buy the home field advantage a little bit more. I could get into the idea a little bit. This year, I can't do it. I can't do it. Home field advantage for the Super Bowl sounds nice. I don't think it impacts the game. Chiefs have been home. They've been sitting home. They just flew out. They got there, what, yesterday? Two days ago? They've been home. So they've been in their own places. It's been very calm. Hey, you hop on a Zoom conference here or there. Yeah, great. But they're at their own facility, going to their own lockers at that facility, sleeping in their own bed. This is a slightly extended trip. For a regular game. The Chiefs should be able to handle this. Right? Like they haven't had the typical obstacles and, and things that go into a typical Super Bowl week. It's been easier. They went through this last year. I mean, for what they went through last year compared to this year, I would imagine if you ask them about it and if they win, they will probably be asked about it. Well, win or lose, they'll probably be asked about it. It's nice. It's nice to not have all that stress and stuff to deal with. You're not have to physically be in the room with everywhere you go. Hey, hey, Juan uh, Thornhill, Juan, Juan, can I get your autograph? Juan, I love you. Person hasn't heard of Juan in you know ever in their life until five minutes ago when they saw his name on a placard on a stage. But now they just can't get enough of Juan Thornhill. It's like he's not dealing with that, you know. So, how much of an advantage is it? For the Bucs, how much does it actually change things? And I look at it and I go, I don't think it really changes much. Chiefs, they'll probably be fine. Here's the other thing, too. When you think about what it's going to be like at the stadium. Now, I've never been to the Super Bowl. Never been. But everything that I've heard about it and read about it and what you can hear from it as you're watching the game what do you get from the crowd? 
It's a mixed bag. Most of the people, the overwhelming majority of people that are in the stadium that day aren't fans of the team. They're not fans of the home team. Sure, you've got some tickets that are allotted to fans of the home team. Uh, sure, you're going to have, like, there there will be some Buccaneers fans in the building. There will also be some Chiefs people in the building. There's going to be a lot of first responders and doctors and things. So, like, the crowd's mixed. The environment's different. Your home field advantage is not what it typically is, what it's typically portrayed to be, because that's not what your crowd is. The Super Bowl is different. The crowd is different. So how much does that impact things? Does it change things? Is it still an advantage for the Bucs? Is it the typical, what, three-point advantage that Vegas likes to give on a home game? How much does it actually change things? And I don't think it does. 855-212-4227. Here's the other thing, too, going with the fans here and, and how much a home Super Bowl does or doesn't matter. I read something a couple of years ago. If you're into all sorts of numbers, if you're a big numbers, analytics, all that kind of stuff, or just a, a curious mind, you like to hear strange and interesting theories. There's a book that came out a couple of years ago. It's called Scorecasting, right? And home field advantage. They they covered every sport, every major sport. They covered all the different leagues and different countries. Like, think of soccer and how big and expansive the world of soccer is. It's massive, right? You've got every country on the planet, different multiple leagues in each country, it feels like. There's just a billion soccer teams. Well, covering all of that and baseball and all of their leagues and the NFL and all these different basketball leagues all across the globe and looking at home field advantage and how much it mattered in each sport. They calculated data on this of win percentages per sport, and it did vary per sport. But how much did home field advantage actually matter? Well, the main thing that seemed to affect officiating was the idea of how many fans were in the building, right? If it was an empty building, officials called a better game because something about the home crowd and the pressure of that and the noise that goes with that, whether it's intentional or not, they would tend to lean with the home team. But again, the crowd is going to be neutral. It's a neutral crowd in a stadium that will be built to be neutral. There won't be a Buccaneers logo on the field. There won't be signage all over the whole place. Yes, there will be some things here and there. Naturally, there have to be. They're in the game. But it's not going to be covered in Bucks logos. So it's going to look a little different. It's going to feel a little different. The crowd will be neutral. The Chiefs have been able to sleep in their own beds the last couple of weeks. I mean, how much does home the home field advantage matter? Does it change anything? Does it tip the scale? Do you think this is a big deal? Because it sounds nice. And as much as I've had time to to sit and digest all of this, I just don't think it sways anything. So 855-212-4227. Again, that's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn. And you can join the show on Twitter, by the way, at It's Vince Quinn, where I'm happy to read tweets, reply to tweets, all that good stuff. And I got a poll going because, I, you know, it's a good way to gauge things as well. So will home field advantage matter for the Super Bowl? Yes, a little. Yes, a lot. Or no? Right now, over 50% say no. And that's where I'm at. 855-212-4227. Now, we got a billion things to get through because... It's the Super Bowl, right? It's the Super Bowl. But 
on top of that, you got Hall of Fame announcements, um, end of season awards for the NFL. It, a very busy, jam packed NFL show tonight. But we will get to the props next because the props are so much fun. We will start with that in just a couple of minutes. Hang tight. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. So, Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. Um, not surprising. Not surprised. We saw this coming. In fact, it was funny because, just to give you a little, like, setup here, it's like 11.15, something like that. I get in here pretty early, so this is East Coast time. Getting a couple hours early for the show. I like to sit around, kind of yuck it up with people, read the news a little bit, and... Graceffo comes in. They go, yeah, man, all the awards came out. And, uh, well, what happened? Okay, well, Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. Boring, okay. Um, Aaron Donald, Defensive Player of the Year. Boring. Uh, let's see, Kevin Stefanski, Coach of the Year. Boring. It was like the whole thing. Like, you weren't excited or interested in any of the awards for the whole NFL season. It did nothing for you. Well, I mean, a lot of them were very predictable. Like, you know. I mean, the one where the one where the guy has a legitimate beef, and I didn't get to talk to you about this. I for, forgot to bring it up. Yeah, the one the one where a guy has a legitimate beef is the rookie of the year. Uh, but again, every time they're going to pick the quarterback. Justin Jefferson has a legitimate beef that he was not rookie of the year. Oh yeah, he's got a hell of a case. But but yeah, it's I mean, when well, what do we talk about every every week, every day of the NFL season? We talk about the quarterbacks, right? Yeah. So oh, when a quarterback comes, when an award comes down to a quarterback and a wide receiver, who do you think's getting the award? It's almost impossible to not get the award as the quarterback. Right. If you put up a year where you had thirty touchdowns as a rookie, you're getting the award. Like you, can, it doesn't matter. Like some guy could put up two thousand yards receiving, and they'd probably still find a way to give the the award to the quarterback. Well, yeah, they would. Of course, they would. That's why you have the offensive player of the year award at this point, because. You can't like the MVP is a quarterback every year. It just is. So you go, okay, well, let's make up an award that's for the non quarterback that does really good on offense. Cause you know, there's 10 other positions on that side of the ball. There's 10 other guys and out there. And for all these other awards, like where was the other guy that was going to challenge Rodgers to be the NFL MVP? Like, I mean, you know, we could just, you know, say Patrick Mahomes, but Rodgers had a better year in terms of sheer numbers. And, you know, everybody was talking about Russell Wilson the first eight weeks of the year, and then Russell Wilson, you know, you know, lost all of his talent, like in Space Jam. <laughs> like, we'll start an investigation. Yeah, I mean, he needed he needed some Michael Secret stuff. It's it's really bad. Like, Russell Wilson was on pace to, you know, throw 50 touchdowns, and then all of a sudden, he you know, he got, like, he got sucked in like Charles Barkley. <laughs> 
<laughs> want to be? Be gone. Uh, remember that scene where he's on the playground with the kids? Charles Barkley. Yeah, yeah uh, basketball. They're playing basketball, yeah, Jones. Basketball, Jones. Yeah. And then, yeah, Charles Barkley can't hit his shot. He's, like, posting up five-year-olds all, and he like, can't hit it. All five guys are in the hospital. They're like, what happened to me? Yeah. That's Russ, that was Russell Wilson this year. That's pretty much what happened. And, you know, Brian Schottenheimer was fired. So, uh, but, there and, you go. And Coach of the Year, who else were you going to give it to? Honestly, like, who else were you really going to give it well, to? Well, you know, it's funny because a guy that would have had a case for a while was Mike Tomlin. The guy was 11-0, and 0, and then, you know, it all fell apart. Well, you're talking about a story that's like, you know, it's so much bigger. I mean, the Steelers are here every year. The Browns haven't been here in 20 years. Well, yeah, I was, the actual real candidate would be Sean McDermott absolutely comes to mind. That's a fair one. I'll give you that. But it's still, he took over the Browns where the Browns were an absolute mess. Yeah. The Browns were a punchline last year for every reason. Like, how many memes did you see of Miles Garrett swinging a helmet at people? (laughs) I mean, the Browns were an absolute mess. So he comes in, he cleans it up, they make the playoffs, he's going to be coach of the year. It's not a question. No, it was a good pick. And, And we'll talk more about Stefanski later. But, like, going through all those awards... You see Aaron Rodgers win the MVP. You think about the situation he's in, and it's really interesting, right? Because consider the spot of Aaron Rodgers. The guy's in his late 30s. They drafted a quarterback this year in the first round. Now it's Green Bay, and they've lived this life with Aaron Rodgers. So they're, you know, accepting of the idea that they could have Jordan Love on the bench for a year or two, and he could come out in two or three seasons and be pretty good. He could be a successor to Aaron Rodgers that doesn't disappoint. It doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to be good if he has to wait. In fact, guys used to wait. That was the expectation. So to be in that spot with Rodgers, but then him after having an MVP season, sit there and say, you know, yeah, I could be back. And like, we'll see. Things happen. You never know in this business and leave the door open. You go, okay, this is pretty interesting. Because now you have the quarterback behind him and he's floating the idea of being in other places and also... The Rams, who traded for Stafford, floated the idea of going and bringing in Aaron Rodgers. So you have all of these things brewing. The idea that Aaron Rodgers could move, that there's reason for the Packers to move on from him at some point, and how does this all add up? Well, look at Tom Brady. Look at Tom Brady, right? Like, he did it. Tom Brady lived the dream. He was at one franchise for forever. They won a bunch They put teams around him in different ways that had enough talent that were able to consistently get to the Super Bowl. Sometimes it was the defense driving things. Other times it was Brady driving the offense. The mix was good enough either way, and they won. But when it got to a point where the wide receiver stunk and he had been there for forever and it just felt time for a change, he left. He found a new team that had all the ability to bend to his will. They decided to do that. Brady brought his talent with him to that team. Guys that he hand-selected. Rob Gronkowski. Later, you get Antonio Brown. For these things to come together, for Brady to get to this point with a team that he took over and made his own, that's all the incentive in the world for Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, how do you not look at this and go, man, If how many teams in the league could I go to me, Aaron Rodgers, where I could turn these teams into a Super Bowl winner next season. Like, hey, if I lean Green Bay, I get it. Green Bay's made it to back-to-back NFC championship games, but they lost those conference championship games, and they got there because of me. You know what I mean? Like, 
that's the Aaron Rodgers argument. It's a pretty good one. How many teams right now could you put Aaron Rodgers on and they're at least, if you think about it, they've got a shot to win the Super Bowl. For example, Carolina Panthers. You never think about the Carolina Panthers as a Super Bowl team. If they've got Aaron Rodgers and I tell you that they could go to the Super Bowl, maybe. They got some good receivers on that team. They're a little different. Like DJ Moore is a is a kind of strange wide receiver, but I like him a lot. He's talented. What does he look like with Aaron Rodgers? Could be a Super Bowl connection. Could be part of it. You never know. It's Aaron Rodgers. He's playing like an MVP. So would he ever consider going to another team? How long does that take? Because for Rodgers, he's done what he needs to do in Green Bay. And if he feels like at any point they're not doing enough for him, as these quarterbacks are moving around, it's going to be easier for him to get out of there. Whether he demands it or he just floats it and somebody comes up with a trade offer that's tempting enough for the Packers to say yes. Because think about it. If you're the Packers, you might say, Vince, the Packers would never give up on Aaron Rodgers. And generally, they don't want to do that. And they probably won't this offseason. It's hard to offload the reigning MVP of the league. Okay? I get that. But if you got Jordan Love, and it's a year from now, the Packers make it to the playoffs. Maybe they win a wild card game. They lose the next week. Jordan Love's been on your team for two years. You've seen him in practice. Matt LaFleur thinks he's good. He's got a shot. He's got to grow, sure, but, you know, nobody's going to match Aaron Rodgers. Well, if you can get three first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers, you do the deal, right? You, you invested in the kid. You believe in the kid. You can get picks. You start over. That's the life cycle of being in the NFL. That's the best version of it. Quarterbacks used to turn, you know, 34, and, oh, my God, they're getting so old. It's 34. Uh, they're shot. Just let them, you know, get rid of them. But you can trade this guy for three picks. So, where could Aaron Rodgers go? How can he do this Tom Brady model? The Peyton Manning model. Peyton was the first guy that I can think of that really did this. I mean, Peyton showed up on the Broncos, and they just became a juggernaut overnight. They were okay, you know? But once Peyton got there, Wes Welker joined the team. DeMarcus Ware joined the team. They just added up all this talent. He threw for 50 touchdowns. I mean, Peyton went off. Once he got to Denver, he exploded once he got there. And so to see this happen again, to see quarterbacks moving more, I'm just saying that Aaron Rodgers going somewhere, even if I don't think it's likely this year, he could go somewhere else soon. And that could start being the model is older quarterbacks with some cachet and trade value working their way to a place where they can build a last ditch team to their best needs. Team doesn't do it for them. They go elsewhere. Market's presenting itself. So, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. One of the questions has been, as we've started this whole thing, you got a home field advantage for the Super Bowl. Does it matter? Does it change anything? Does it sway the game? Because I don't think it does. Let's talk to Mike, who's in Boston. Mike, what's going on? Hey, how you guys doing? Um, I just want to chime in on, on the conversation. I, I agree with you 100%. I don't, I don't. I think it would make it, it could potentially make a difference if this was a normal non-COVID year and there was all the craziness of folks down there and uh, the distractions and, and the chance of, you know, thousands of home fans attending the game. But, you know, with the cap on the number of fans and them filtering what type of fans are going to, you know, who's going to the game. And, you know, and like you said, you know, the Chiefs are just flying in to, uh, today or whatever, right? They just flew in today. So 
I think if it was a regular year, like a normal year, it could have made a difference. But but this year, I don't think it has it will have any impact at all. Yeah, and and thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, man. Like that's that's the thing. It just I don't see it in a normal year. If it's a full media week, it's two weeks of these teams just sitting out in whatever city, and all these one team is living in a hotel, and the other is just living in a mansion at home, whatever nice apartment, whatever it is. Yeah, I could say home field advantage, pack stadium. Yeah, you you probably get more people from the home team to try to get their way in the door. The crowd would be a little more stacked to the home team. That's not going to be the case this year. Tickets are limited. They're giving so many out for, you know, good causes, PR, whatever, however you want to look at it. So it's just not the crowd you'd expect. Home field advantage, good bit of it has to do with the crowd. So how much does it change things? Uh, not a lot. Not in my estimation, not a lot. Now, here's something I got that's interesting. Somebody hit me up on Twitter. And again, you can always reach out to me there, and I try to get back and reply to people as much as I can. Uh, Let's be honest. I'm the weekend overnight guy. My mentions aren't exactly flooded. So if you want to hit me up, you can do that at It's Vince Quinn. That's all one word, at It's Vince Quinn. And they asked me, they said, which quarterback, coach, and organization has more pressure to come out with a win tomorrow? And is it weird that I think none of them? I don't think any team actually has real pressure to win the Super Bowl tomorrow. That might sound insane, but the Chiefs did it literally last year. You've got Mahomes and Andy Reid. You feel like they will be at this for forever. They're going against Tom Brady, who, yes, it's his 10th Super Bowl, but how many has he lost along the way? He's lost a few. So is this the end of the world for the Chiefs? Do you panic if you lose the Super Bowl does this ruin Patrick Mahomes' legacy? No. And if you're the Bucs and you're Tom, like, for Tom Brady, you've been to the Super Bowl a billion times. You did it again here. You've proven yourself. You got to the Super Bowl. If you lose to Patrick Mahomes, is that a slap in the face? Is that ruining Tom Brady's legacy? No. It doesn't change anything. So, I don't know who really. I mean, honestly, like, Graceffo, do you think there's anybody that, that it matters more? The Bucks, Just because the organization hasn't done it. Yes. And the fact that they have to they have to win the game. To me, they have to win the game. Brady's there for another year, and you know, presumably he's probably not coming back. Like when you think of the players that the Bucks have, the team is gonna be stripped down really quickly. Like I mean, Chris Godwin's gonna be a free agent at the end of this year. So just think about it. Uh the Bucks have to pay all these people. Uh Tom Brady got his slice of, you know, what's going on in Tampa Bay. And, you know, if they're not winning in two years, he's probably bolting and going somewhere else. So uh, I am totally of the belief that the pressure's on the Bucks to win the game simply because they're not going to be able to keep this roster around forever. No, they're not. And you got if you, if, if I have to pick one of the two, I would go with the Bucks as well. Because, like, for example, Bruce Arians, right? He hasn't won. Well, after this year, after next year, and Tom Brady's a free agent again, in all likelihood, he's going to be a free agent again, right? If he doesn't win... In the two years he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, couldn't you see him going at 45? Because he already said 45. I said I'll retire at 45, but, you know, the likelihood is that if I feel good, I'm going to keep playing. Like Tom Brady is, you know, he's Lazarus. He's going to play forever. He's Methuselah. He's going to play forever. Yeah. So he's going to play when he's 90 in a wheelchair. <laughs> Methuselah drops. I like this. Anyway, uh, couldn't you see Tom Brady just picking out, being a free agent again and picking out a roster that he thinks can win? Yeah. Like, if he's got a gas totally, left. I totally can see that happening at him with him at 45, and it's not going to be the Buck roster because they've basically sold their soul to win in these two years. 
Yeah, but they, you know the thing is, they did it and they got there. It was a little shaky how they got there, but they have the to close the awful. deal. Is the difference? They have to win the. They have to close the deal. They do and they don't. I mean, that's the thing. If you're a Bucks fan, you want to win the Super Bowl, obviously. But if you get to the Super Bowl and lose to the Chiefs, is that a massive failure? You made it to the Super Bowl. It's a hell of a season. It's incredibly fun. You want the entertainment of all of this. Maybe I'm some idiot, but I I gotta tell you, I I don't see it as like live or die kind of stuff. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, coming to you live just a couple of hours before the Super Bowl. It is officially midnight on the West Coast. And so the morning show leading into the Super Bowl commences. Welcome aboard. Main question this morning. Main question this morning. As Graceffo says rude things to me in my ear. Stop it, Graceffo. Well, <laughs> what we've talked about to start the show is how much is a home Super Bowl? How much does it matter? How much is it going to change things? Will it affect things? Is this actually a big deal or is it a nice story that really doesn't matter? And as much as I've heard about it, I don't think it's a factor. I don't. You walk into the stadium, it's going to be decorated differently. The fans aren't all Bucks fans. It's not a conference championship game. You know, Green Bay, it was full of Packers fans. Of course it was. Game was in Green Bay. So, yeah, yeah. whatever fans you get, and again, it's not going to be a full stadium here. Well, those people, neutral crowd, you're going to have all these volunteer, you know, volunteers and public service people that are going to be getting tickets to this event for the Super Bowl. That's your crowd. So it's going to look different. It's going to sound different. It's going to feel different. And for the Chiefs, they haven't been to a hotel for two weeks. So I don't know what the home field advantage really is. I don't know how big of a deal it is. It feels like it's less than a typical game. So does it matter? Am I wrong? Do I do I have this totally miscalculated? 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855 and this is Vince Quinn of the Vince Quinn Show. And you can always send us mail, by the way. We got the mailbox set up just a couple of weeks ago. You can send it to 345 Hudson Street on the 10th floor in New York, New York, 10014. I've been opening mail during the commercial break. And so thank you to people that have been sending us mail. It has been a wild ride so far and a lot of fun. Now, no one has sent us baloney, which is the biggest and best part. Or somebody mailed us baloney, and it was just reeking and savagely destroying the office, and they threw it out before I got in because, you know, I'm the weekend overnight guy. There's a lot of time in between to get baloney-filled mail and throw it into the trash. Baloney! So you never know. <laughs> let's talk about baloney, actually. Let's baloney. Let's talk about Mr. Teddy Baloney Brewski, okay? Because there was something this week where 
It's just You're a loser. It's just such a ridiculous take. Okay, it's a ridiculous take. Teddy Bruschi was asked about Matthew Stafford, who reports indicate Stafford did not want to play for the Patriots. And Teddy Bruschi went on a nice, I don't know, diatribe, I guess, of how Matthew Stafford is not tough enough to play in New England and all the hard coaching that Bill Belichick does. And he just wants to be with his, quote, little best friend relationship and go have fun over there with Sean McVay. Like, what do we, he totally trashed Stafford for not wanting to be on the Patriots and, and calling out his character, saying he's not tough enough, which by the way, to play all those years in Detroit with all of the misery around him, with his best player who's now in the Hall of Fame and Calvin Johnson retiring in his prime, like that's what Matthew Stafford's had to deal with. Okay, so it ain't easy to lose, all right? It ain't easy to lose consistently to be the quarterback that's the face of that losing. That's not easy for Matthew Stafford. So for him to go through all of that and then get called out for his toughness by Brewski is hilarious because let's be honest here. The Patriots are not a destination. They're not a destination team anymore. Not right now. They're not. Why would they be? If you're a defensive player and Bill Belichick goes, yes, I'm going to give you all the money in the world. Yeah, he loves you. You're Stephon Gilmore. You're a top-of-the-line guy that could do some great stuff. Go play defense with Bill Belichick. Offensively, as a quarterback, why? For what reason? Did you see what they did to Cam Newton? Because you might say, oh, Vince, Cam Newton's not that good. Okay, who was he throwing to? Who? Anybody? You got anybody? Who? Nobody. Wide receivers stink in New England. They're bad. If you're Matthew Stafford and you've got the ability to get anybody in the league, most teams in the league, to trade for you, why would you ever go to New England? For what purpose? Oh, I just want to be the next great Patriot. He doesn't care. He's in Detroit. What does it matter to him? So, like, for Teddy Bruschi to look at this and be like, he's not tough enough to play New England, that's insane. Maybe he wants to actually win football games or, you know, throw the ball to good wide receivers? Is that wrong? It's just, like, I get some takes that come out. But for Teddy Bruschi, a Patriots player, to come out and do all this, like, that's that's the thing that does take it over the top. It's just such a homer take. It's such a homer take. And to call out the guy's character like that, it's just like, my goodness, man. You got to take off those Patriot colored glasses once in a while. It's crazy. Look who look who Stafford's got right now, right? He's got receivers. He's got Cooper Cup. He's going to have Robert Woods. Uh, who's the guy? that They drafted that guy out of Florida this year that's fun. Van Jefferson. So they've got things to use that are good. You've got, you know, like, that's where you want to be. So I don't play Matthew Stafford. Here's the other thing, too. Like, if you're Matthew Stafford, you don't want to go to the Patriots. You know what a good reason is to why? On top of, you know, the receivers are just awful. Matt Patricia's there. What do you do you remember Matt Patricia getting fired because everybody in the league came out and was like, yeah, uh, screw that guy. I mean, that was like his own players. Guys that played for him, guys that had left the team a year or two after he had joined were from all across the country being like, oh, Patricia got fired. I got to get on Twitter ASAP and trash this guy.
<laughs> so, yeah, I I don't blame Stafford for that. It was just such a silly take. Um, anyway, we have to let Tim go. This is a family program, this morning show. And so we will continue on. Now, let's talk about that quarterback that is uh, uh, potentially on the move here. Because, actually, this is, uh, this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, I will confess. Being somebody from the Philadelphia area, it is very strange to be in a spot right now where Carson Wentz is on the doorstep of getting traded out of town. It's weird. It's weird. It's not exactly exciting for me. And it's miserable in basically every way imaginable. Uh, Think of the life of Carson Wentz, drafted number two overall. Rookie year, looks pretty good. Making some plays, wins a couple of games. Not amazing, but like pretty good and, and a great athlete. 2017 MVP candidate, MVP front runner. Eventually uh, team wins the super bowl. You go, wow, this is going to be great forever. And then nothing was good after that. Nothing, nothing in the Carson Wentz experience was like, Oh baby, sign me up for more of that outside of, you know, desperation four game streaks against bad teams to eke into the playoffs. That's it. I say this is a Wentz guy. I love the guy. It was fun. I couldn't have been more excited. Couldn't have lobbied for him harder going into the draft. And my goodness, the whole thing fell apart. And Wentz is as rotten as can be right now. So for him to be as bad a player as he is and now be offered up and, and it seems like all the reports of the past, you know, 24, 48 hours, everything I've been reading has been that, He's probably going to Chicago. Now, for the Bears, it makes all the sense in the world. What else you got, right? What else? What are you doing? You're going to roll Mitch Trubisky out again? Is that really what you want to do? Is that exciting? Do you believe in the upside still? Because he's been on your team for a couple of years now. He's been healthy. And, it, yeah, oh, you made some progress. His progress was still not great, right? It's not number two pick in the draft. It's not close. So move on from Trubisky or move to your backup. Either way, he can't be your guy starting next year. That's not a sell for anybody. So to bring in Wentz and go, you know, can we fix this guy? Can it change the scenery help? Absolutely, by the way. I think for any team that is interested in Wentz, a team that lands Wentz, he needs to be somewhere else. Absolutely. Because when you're a quarterback of a team and you're young and you're trying to prove yourself and then, you know, Casual thing that happens to everybody. Uh, the, the backup quarterback wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a hard thing to deal with, right? It's not easy. When the backup quarterback, by the way, was popular the first time he was in the city because he had been in Philly before and got traded. And he was like 29 years old, Nick Foles. So it's not like he was old either, you know? So that's a weird spot to be in. And he had to deal with the Nick Foles experience the following year after the Super Bowl, because Wentz got hurt again, and then Foles came in again and won playoff games again. So, like, the whole thing's insane. But here's what makes the whole thing just... My head hurts thinking about this. Not only is it that Wentz could go to Chicago, but the craziest thing about this is that the Eagles, in return for Carson Wentz, 
could be, depending on what rumors you're reading, could be getting Nick Foles back for Carson Wentz, which is hilarious on his own. And and the storylines will be just ridiculous from all of that. But also, you got Jalen Hurts on the team. Like, the, the fact that that's even floated as being a potential rumor, as in actual people within the Eagles and the Bears had conversations. They went, what if we gave you Nick Foles? And they're like, yeah, we could consider a world where we take Nick Foles is the craziest and dumbest thing an organization could do. Why? Why? You got a kid that's a rookie? He's, you know, he wins a couple of games. He loses some games. He's not great. He's fine. He's fun. You're going to put a quarterback that won the Super Bowl in that city, and you're going to put him behind the kid? That's what you're going to do. Hey, uh, Jalen Hurts, we love you. We just spent a second-round pick on you. It uh, apparently just ruined Carson Wentz's psyche to the point where he doesn't want to even be here anymore, and we got to get rid of him. But you know what's going to make everything better? Here's the guy that won the Super Bowl three years ago. Have at it. (laughs) Like, it's not even even funny. Like, this this is sad laughter. This is... The guy from, uh, I'm Joaquin Phoenix turning into the Joker. That's what this feels like. I'm just going insane. (laughs) No, it's like, (laughs) why? Like, that's what it feels like. It's horrible. How do you do that? How do you even consider that? If that actually turns out that Wentz gets traded for (laughs) Nick Foles, pack it up. Just pack the whole thing up. See how we ruined our franchise quarterback that we took at number two? Well, let's do it again with this guy we took in the second round. <laughs> that, oh, yeah, you enjoy it, Jets fan. You enjoy it, Graceffo. You enjoy this. I hope you enjoy every second of this. You're sick, okay? You're a sick man. Let me ask you a question. You'd rather be the Eagles or the Texans right now? Oh, God. Oh, God, that's a... I, I'll be the Eagles because Easterby is... He's going to be around for a while, too. And I think Roseman is gone before Easterby, and that's all I've got. That is the only major. Well, you do you do have a legitimate shot to win the division next year. The the Texans probably don't. No, but the Eagles will win it at you know six and ten. Well, I mean, you know, (laughs) it's still a chance. You know, you you know, there's nobody in this division that's really going to make themselves any better than what they are really. Yeah, unless with some crazy improvement. If Washington gets a different quarterback in there, maybe. But the they need some or the wide comedy, receivers. The comedy of, huh? We just ruined the guy we took at the top of the draft because we decided to draft a quarterback and he couldn't like deal with it. It's a, like Carson Wentz's psyche is just like it's it's got to be the most talked about thing in Philadelphia, right? Oh, it is. I, I mean, it is. I say that as somebody that is technically employed by the biggest sports radio station in Philadelphia. I, I follow the tweets. I listen to the shows when I'm driving around. I've hosted there for years. And that is all people talk about because he's falling apart. So, like, why would anyone in the Eagles front office think it's a great idea to bring back Foles, who will be immediately a massive distraction? Like, every Wednesday when Jalen Hurts has to talk to the media and he doesn't play well the Sunday prior... Every question will be, do you think Foles is, you know, how do you feel about playing? How do you feel about starting? Uh, you know, how has been, how has working with Nick Foles been? Uh, you know, do you, do you think your job's in jeopardy? Like, 
Nick Sirianni has no allegiance to Jalen Hurts. He has no allegiance to Carson uh, to Nick Foles. So if the trade does happen, you know we're gonna call it a quarterback competition. But in reality, who's the quarter? Who, what? Where's the quarterback competition gonna be swayed to? Nick Foles, probably. On some level, he's he's gonna have some pull. He's a but, veteran guy. And not just... only that, Nick Foles is owed a nice chunk of money, but thanks to that nice contract he signed. <laughs> In Jacksonville. Great just work, think, Jacksonville. Just think about that. He'll be on We're his talking third about team Nick in the Foles same going contract. From Philly to Jacksonville to Chicago back to Philly. It's insanity. It, There's it going to be a 30 for 30 made just based on Nick Foles and Carson Wentz and the last three, four years. Yeah. And you know what is the worst thing? You don't have Doug Peterson there to like smooth things over and keep everybody in an even keel because everybody talked about how Doug would have every player's back in the room and keep everything on an even keel for everyone, and now you're putting this into the lap of a first-year head coach. That's the thing. It's insanity. He's a 39-year-old first-time head coach. So not only will Jalen Hurts get the question every week, Nick Sirianni's going to get the question every week, and based on his press conference, he's probably going to mumble through it. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I mean, here's here's some of the perspective to give you with this of how absurd it would be if for Wentz to get traded makes all the sense in the world. He doesn't want to be there. He's not happy. It wasn't just the coach. It's the front office. He's just, you know, there's a lot of problems with it, and it's time for him to go somewhere else. So that's fine. But when you're getting him out and you're bringing in Nick Foles and you put him behind Jalen Hurts, there is right now in Philadelphia – at the stadium where the Eagles play, a statue of Nick Foles. There's a statue of the guy. You're going to have Jalen Hurts playing quarterback in front of the statue. That's what you're going to do. Yeah, this is Super Bowl hero Nick Foles. Um, he came in the next year as a backup and won playoff games again and had a miraculous push to get him into the playoffs. By the way, he's just going to sit behind you, and fans will have no interest in seeing him play whatsoever. It's fine. It's well, by the, well, by the way, as you know, Vince, fans are never wrong. So well, that's the, the, truth. the people who wanted Nick Foles all along and said, you know, Super Bowl MVP is Super Bowl won a Super Bowl. You got to keep Nick Foles around. And, you know, let's basically throw the baby and the bathwater out with the guy we drafted with the number two pick <laughs> and, you know, would have won the MVP had he not shattered his leg. Uh, we got to throw him out to keep Nick Foles. So all those people who said that four years ago, they're right now. And obviously they're going to be proven to be justifiably right because guess what? They're bringing back Nick Foles because they have no better idea. They have no better idea. Like, let's be honest. Uh, I have an idea. The Bears are interested in Wentz because Matt Nagy knows that he pro- he thinks he can get something out of Wentz because he thinks he can plug any you know former Philadelphia quarterback into this system and it's going to work because it's the same system that Doug Peterson and Andy Reid all run, right? So he thinks he's he he's basically taking a leap of faith with the Bears front office and saying. You know what? I was wrong about Nick Foles, but trust me again on this other Philadelphia quarterback. I can make it work because my system, I can make it work with any guy in Philadelphia that played because I came from there or I came from that tree. So now they've basically gone to the Eagles basically said, who can we get to match salary or, you know, not take a big salary hit on this and have it make some sense for us? And they came up with Nick Foles because they didn't have any other better idea. Graceffo, can you do me a favor? Sure, buddy. Could you kill me? 
Could you just kill I me? I can't <laughs> want to do that on the air. Not live on the air. Once we hit the commercial break. Well, we got to talk to lawyers about that. No. If I do that. Fine. Uh, well, it's, it wouldn't be my problem. It'd be your problem. So. Yeah, well, I don't want a problem. All right, fine. Um, so here's what we'll do next. Let's let's get back into the Super Bowl conversation a little bit. And there is one hilarious element with home field advantage that we absolutely have to talk about. That is coming up next. I'm Vince Quinn with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Ah, uh, yes, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Welcome in to the morning show, getting you ready for Chiefs and Bucks later today. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, don't call me. I'm a bad choice for that, but Rocket can. So, a lot of things to get into here because, you know, it's the Super Bowl, all right? There's a lot of stuff to talk about. We've got some fun prop bets that we'll be getting into this hour. And, uh, you know, just a lot of things around the game. But let's start with something that, I mean, my goodness. Here's the one thing, this is the one positive thing I will say about Tom Brady this morning. Because I am not... Somebody that effusively, you know, because I get it. He's won a billion titles. This is his 18,000th Super Bowl. He's been playing in the league since 1942, and he's been in the Super Bowl every other year, and he's the greatest quarterback who ever lived. You're like, yada, 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 you make me sick, okay? I just can't do it. I, I won't do it, all right? I get it. Not for me. Now, here's what I will say in praise of Tom Brady is I've never seen a professional athlete that has altered the way that other professionals play and perform the same way that Tom Brady has. And it's not just the teammates around him, but really what makes it special, because any great players, any great quarterback, makes guys that generally stink at least look okay, and guys that are okay can look pretty good, and guys that are pretty good can look like Hall of Famers when they're around a Hall of Fame talented quarterback. We see that. We see that on the basketball court, similar kind of stuff. But what makes Brady so unique is that the psychological factor of going up against Tom Brady he built such a machine. He built such a mystique, such a ruthless, undeterred sense of I- imminent victory that all of these other teams over the years and good teams with great players and great coaches have changed the way they go about their business and cost themselves games. Like, he has actually changed the strategy and demeanor and his presence alone makes other people that he's playing against scared. And that's something that I've never witnessed before with anybody else. He intimidates other people into failure. Because we've talked about it 
for the past couple of weeks. Every conversation you've had about Tom Brady and this Super Bowl has involved the Brady factor. Every single one. Because here's every Super Bowl conversation that literally everybody's had, at least in some part. Well, let me tell you, I I really like the Chiefs. I mean, hey, it's Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, it's I don't think anybody said that. It's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is pretty good. Travis Kelsey's pretty good. Tyreek Hill is pretty good. Andy Reid. You see Andy Reid? Andy Reid's pretty good. But it's Tom Brady. And that's how every conversation goes. It's but it's Tom Brady. And it's the Brady factor. That's what it is. It's impossible for all of us. As much as you might believe in the Chiefs or hate Brady or whatever it is, it is impossible to look at this game and just go, you know, the Chiefs are just going to absolutely blow this thing out of the water and it's not even going to be a big deal and, like, nobody cares. Because it's that thing that Brady has that makes other people who are some of the greatest athletes we've ever seen get the ball in big situations and go, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do anymore. Mommy. Like it just, it just happens. Brady's done that to people time and time again, all the major choke jobs that we've seen. And it's not just in the Super Bowls, these kinds of choke jobs. Like, I wonder for a little bit, the the Jared Goff experience of the Super Bowl and how bad he was, I wonder how much of that was going up against Brady and the pressure of that, right? Like, that was a big moment, and Goff flopped. Nick Foles didn't, go birds. But outside of that, like, you look at this, and it's conference championship games. Think of the the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Jacksonville Jaguars with Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. That guy was a couple of snaps away from being a Super Bowl quarterback. He was going to be in the game. Blake Bortles. All right. Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars were up a couple of points going towards halftime. And they've got the ball. And and what was it, Graceffa? Like a minute and a half left? They took a knee? Yeah, I want to say that, that they basically went into the locker room because they were afraid. Yeah, they're like, we got 10 points on Brady. This is great. We just got to hold on to this. We're just going to squirrel these 10 points away and kill the clock. And it, We don't need to be aggressive. And then, you know, they lose the game. <laughs> Maybe you should have been a little more aggressive. You know, that's what Brady has done. That's what he's done his whole career. And that's what's so amazing is you build up this mystique that it's not just he's really good and and the coach speak of like we got to prepare for this guy, but he could be down 28 to 3 and you just go and try to squelch the whole rest of the game because you don't want to give Brady opportunities and in doing so, you give Brady opportunities. <laughs> it's it's crazy. You know, there's an ant that uh, this fungus goes into side of an ant. It'll take over its brain, control the ant, get it to go to the top of a tree, at the edge of a tree branch. The fungus will then sprout out of the head of the ant and populate itself all over the place, using that height to distribute itself on new ants. And and that's an actual thing that happens. That's basically Tom Brady. He gets to the head of professionals. He drives them exactly where they want to be for his purposes, and then boom, there he goes. It's it's crazy, but that's what he's done. And that's the thing that I don't think anybody else I've ever seen do that. I mean, is there anybody else on that level? Uh, I would say Peyton Manning in his prime had people do that. I mean, you could think of the example of the regular season game in Indianapolis where the Patriots went for it 
deep in their own territory because Bill Belichick simply decided, I can't give the ball, I can't punt the ball back to this guy. Oh, yeah, that was a great moment. And he basically went for it at his own 30, didn't get it, and lost. All because he was so afraid to punt the ball back, and he knew he couldn't. Yeah, I would love to go back and look at that moment now. You know, like, see the whole context and and the build into it in the game. Because, like, with analytics today, it might have been like, yeah, totally should have gone for it, you know? I don't know. Well, I mean, just to get back to the overall point that you're making, it's like you would think that the game that happened in Week 12 never happened in terms of how many people are on the Buccaneers and they think that, you know, simply because Tom Brady's under center that, you know, the Bucks are going to, you know, walk away with a win here. The Chiefs have lost one game that they've cared about in a calendar year. Think about it. One. One. One game. They've come back from deficit, deficits multiple times in playoff games. They sleptwalked through the Super Bowl down three touchdowns. Uh, d- uh, in three, uh, they sleptwalked. They sleptwalked in the. Su- <laughs> sorry. They sleptwalked in the. Su- in the Super Bowl last year, through three quarters and won the game by double digits against a far better defense than the one they're playing. Like, if you could take the 49ers defense of last year and put it up against this Buck defense today, who are you taking? You would take the 49er defense of last year, wouldn't you? Yeah, that that defense was like, incredible. Like, be honest. That's like that was a really for all good group. Of the people who think that the Buck defense is simply going to stop or slow down or hinder Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in any way, just pop in the tape of six, 7 8 weeks ago. Tyreek Hill had 200 yards in the first freaking quarter. First quarter. The first quarter he had 200 yards receiving. And they basically decided, oh, they were in the third quarter up by, I don't remember, a million. It's like 27 to, or 17 to nothing or something. Right. In the third quarter, they were up by a million, and they just decided, like, we got the game won. We don't even have to worry about the rest of the game. And that's what made the, you know, the final score did not, it was not indicative of the of the way that, you know, you'd love that line. Yeah, I Because you hear it all the time. The final score was not indicative of the way the game was played. The Chiefs owned them in every way possible in the game. And people would think, you the way people are talking about the Buccaneers, you'd think the game never happened. It's amazing. Yeah. And where'd they do it? They did it in Tampa Bay. <laughs> they did it where the game's being played. And now they can't fire off the pirate ship, so they're really in it, Dion. <laughs> they're really in it deep now. Like, what more do people need to know about this guy? That this guy is the next guy coming. He's thrown for 50 touchdowns. He's won an MVP, handily, might I add. He's already won a Super Bowl, but you're telling me, oh, he's inexperienced because he's playing in the game against Tom Brady? You really think the Chiefs and he are, and him, they're, fa- they're phased? You really think they're phased in the game? They were just here last year. Yeah, they they are so ready for this. And that's the thing, too. The Chiefs will not be intimidated by this. They won't be scared by this. They've got the staff for this because it is Andy Reid. Yeah, you do have and, – and this was a point that you had mentioned to me in a commercial break, Graceffo, and it's a great point. Steve Spagnuolo, he's done it a bunch of times. He's been in a bunch of Super Bowls against Tom Brady, and he's won in those Super Bowls. So for him to be the guy that he is – as the defensive coordinator with Andy Reid, with Mahomes, with all the guys that just won a Super Bowl, like that's a hell of a team too. And that's where this whole thing really gets interesting as well because you think about Tom Brady and the mystique of Tom Brady. And what's great about this is from those those storyline perspectives is what you're getting with Tom Brady right now for that Brady factor 
He has shown you enough this year that he still does deserve that. For his ability to win games this year and the points that he's put up and the stats and whatever, there is enough to still be afraid of Tom Brady. It's not like he's old and toothless and he's way past the image. No, he's still dangerous as can be. But Vince, if you were telling me he was playing Baker Mayfield or he was playing Josh Allen, I would take you up on that. That these guys are, this guy is not these guys. This guy is a cut above every quarterback playing in the league right now. Yeah. It's not even close. The way they play offense is on another level. Like, you watch some of the teams in the league, at the bottom of the league, play offense in this game, in this sport. You would think the other teams are playing a different sport. You would think the Chiefs are playing a different sport than these teams. The way that they are head and shoulders above other teams in this league. Yeah, and with the speed and everything, it's crazy. It's unbelievable what they do so consistently. And so that's the thing is you look at this game, and in terms of legacy and all this different stuff, Mahomes is as ready as you could possibly be for this game. Brady is still a very significant challenge. And so it's great to have this kind of matchup because the weight is really there, and you just never get to see this. You know, Tom Brady didn't go up against Joe Montana. That didn't happen. LeBron James didn't have a finals against Michael Jordan, you know? So to get this game, whatever the result may be, and and honestly, I don't think the outcome of this, because there, there was a great take from, what was it, Romo last week that we were talking about? He's like, yeah, if Patrick Mahomes loses this game, I don't think his legacy will ever pass Tom Brady. It's like, all right, dude. Uh, but you look at this, and... Either of these guys, however it goes, Mahomes could still be the guy long-term that can pass Tom Brady. And to have these conversations right now where Mahomes, think about this. Mahomes is what, 25? He's 25 maybe? 26 at the most? He's earned the right to be in the conversation with Tom Brady as the greatest to ever play the sport. We're having those conversations, and they're justified. When did we have those conversations about Brady in earnest? 2007? The undefeated season? Seriously. Other than that, I mean, we're talking about Peyton Manning, right? It was it was a constant conversation about Peyton Manning and Brady and who's better and where will those guys be at the end of their careers. And, and Peyton Manning's coming off a Super Bowl in 06. You're like, all right, here we go. This is it. Like, this is going to be the run. So it took a while for Brady to really start getting in that conversation because he had good defenses early, running game early. He wasn't throwing it all the time. 20, 2007 is, is a really marked change from all of that. So to have those GOAT conversations with a guy that's 25 years old and the gravity of it holds, that's more impressive than Brady was at that age. So for Mahomes, he's not just on track with Brady, but he is ahead of the curve with Brady. And if he wins two, even more so. Patrick Mahomes can lose the Super Bowl and be just fine because, you know, Brady's lost them. If you're one of those people that's in the mindset, oh, well, you know, Brady lost them. Joe Montana went to 4-1-4. Four four. Okay, well, get to 6. Get to 8. Get to 10. Uh, 10 is better than 4. You know, it, it just is. <laughs> so uh, that's one of the things. You, you throw that argument out in the trash, it's a bad argument. Now, for Mahomes... Yeah, I, I think he's going to win this game anyway, but it's great to see Brady with the Brady factor, having that still be earned for Brady and for Mahomes to be up against him and can he win the game. It, it's going to be something that does add to the legacy, right? It, it will impact things in some small way. It doesn't erase anything for anybody, but it's really cool. And I mean, 
this is a Haley's Comet moment. You just will not see this again. I mean, this doesn't happen. You get a passing of a torch of the best player of an era to the next best player of the era. But the best ever to go up against the best ever in the biggest of moments doesn't happen. This is amazing. It's unbelievable. And we get that all today.